You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Episode 6, Season 2 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Ken Stapon joined by Brendan McCarthy. Brendan, the NHL and NHLPA, have agreed on a 56-game schedule for the upcoming season. Seems like a little wishy-washy for me. I want some, I want some firm acknowledgement here. But also to extend on the NHL news, Kenny, we're recording this Sunday the 20th in the morning. Seattle expansion draft set for july 21st so that's going to be interesting it's going to be a busy summer with the olympics and everything and i feel like everything's going to kind of coincide and overlap a little bit i feel badly for ron francis a little bit given the the haul that george mcphee and the job that he was able to do with vegas basically making them a cup contender right out of the gate and also just fleecing basically half the franchises in the nhl to give additional picks additional players and putting together a competitive roster right out of the gates. It was such an impressive job by McPhee, a masterclass and how to take advantage of the situation. And I feel like NHL franchises are going to be less likely to play ball with Ronnie Francis this time around after seeing how they got torched by McPhee in the Vegas golden Knights last time. So just to explain for, for listeners who don't know how the rules are set up with, with the upcoming draft, so Seattle will be allowed to pick one player from each team, excluding Kenny, the Golden Knights. Makes sense. They'll have the option to protect either seven forwards, 3D, and one goalie, or eight skaters and one goalie. So the rest of the players on the roster will be exposed, except for first and second year players, and all unsigned draft choices. So I'm sure GMs are starting to take a look at that well maybe not now maybe after christmas and and they have an idea they want to keep they have an idea they certainly have an idea right now and if you're a gm in this league and you're looking at your roster and there's going to be players that could potentially be exposed like you when you're the maple leafs you look at for example the decor and it's pretty obvious that you're going to protect brody riley and muzzin so if you're going so if you're going to protect those guys then you have to look at the rest of your roster. And if there's guys that are just going to get nabbed for free, do GMs look to make a move and bring in perhaps some assets that would be protected or just not available to the Seattle expansion team to be plucked up by that GM because you don't want to lose these players. They're going to be able to contribute or you could bring some valuable assets back for, for nothing. 
it's so fun too with expansions expansion teams because yeah, no one has any Columbus. expectations. Tell that no to Columbus had... and Minnesota in the early 2000s well, when they were just the, the in the toilet bowl for the first 10 years. But that's the thing. It's like there's no expectation. You're not going to get like harped on every night like the Leafs or, you know, another big market NHL team. It's like, you know, whatever, let's just get some apparel, have some drinks, go to the new arena and watch watch the Seattle Kraken hockey team. Like, I don't care if they win or lose, but I think they could be exciting. No, for certain they will be. And just while we're on the topic of the expansion draft, another thing to consider is the flat cap. Right. Can Ron Francis weaponize the fact that he's got zero dollars on the books and there are going to be teams looking to dump bad contracts? Is Seattle perhaps willing to take on some of those bad contracts to gain some more assets because that's going to be a big thing for them. If they're looking to be competitive, perhaps on the first year as well, certainly not as competitive as Vegas was in their first year, but are they going to look for three, four, five years down the road and sort of sacrifice the, the first years with some bad contracts just to gain appreciating assets and build a franchise that's going to be competitive down the road. Right. And I, I just thought of this one player cause he is a former leaf, but also on a bad term is Nikita Zaitsev. So you got to think that Sens management perhaps exposes him because that is a, that is a really rough deal. And that yeah. was courtesy Lou Lamorello back Cur- in 2016. Courtesy of Lou Lamorello. <laughs> and I would also like to say that's the reason that Maple Leafs fans were stuck watching Cody CC on the top pairing this past season is to make the money work. They flipped Zaitsev out. And to be fair, he wanted out of Toronto. There was a, some questionable things going on off the ice. We won't get into details about that, but he didn't want to be in Toronto anymore. He needed to go. They have to bring in Cody CC for a year at 4.5. Was it 4 million? I think he was getting paid. It was either four or 4.5 million. I don't even like to think about it. It just gives me a headache. Horrendous. But Maple Leaf fans can take refuge in the fact that now they have TJ Brody filling that spot at just a 500K pay raise over what Cody CC was making. So that's a pretty good upgrade as far as Toronto Maple Leaf fans are concerned. The sole highlight from Cody CC, Kenny, was in the playing round when he carried the puck in over the blue line and let a howitzer go and it went like a mile wide. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> that's like me when I'm playing shinny. I'm it's like, like you can't rink. You can't as a as a professional hockey player, you can't tee it up and like the distance from the net, it was just ridiculous. Probably one of the worst experiments the Leafs have had in a defenseman, Cody Cece. When I played in my beer league last year, that was like my special because I can skate pretty quickly. So once I get up and get moving, I can get around people. But then it's just like you have no idea where the puck's going when I'm coming in on the ice, when I'm coming in on the net at full speed. Yikes. It's like you just come in, roof a backhander, <laughs> goes three feet over the net, like into the like boards, no scoring opportunity missed. As Back Ray to the bar would say, you you miss you you miss the net, the scoring opportunity is taken away, and no chance of a goal. So that was uh, my specialty, but certainly we expect more of uh, NHL caliber defenseman, but perhaps maybe not of Cody CC. We'll see what he does in Pittsburgh this <laughs> yeah. year. Uh, being a little bit more sheltered on, I believe he's going to be on their third pairing. Yes. And he will be joined by another former Leaf in Casper Kapanen, who will get some minutes alongside Sidney Crosby. So we've been told. Did you see so that would be insane. Did you see Marner's comments this week uh, in the Luke Fox interview that everybody was losing their minds on Twitter about? Yeah, he wants to go somewhere warm, so that's going to throw everybody off. 
Well, I think basically the context was, and this is the Twitter special, by the way, follow us on Twitter at LeafsPod, at Ken Stapon, at B McCarthy 95, at HockeyPodNet. Basically, Marner in an interview with Luke Fox was asked about the prospect that the Canadian teams may have to play in the States. Now, we'll get into this a little bit more a little bit later, but basically the Canadian provincial governments are trying to figure out whether or not the travel is going to work and who's going to allow, you know, the teams from different areas of Canada to come in and out, who's going to be able to host games at their own arena. British Columbia in particular has very strict regulations. So they're trying to figure that out. And one proposition that came up was that the Canadian division may not even be able to play in Canada and that they might have to play in the States. So when asked about this, Marner basically said, you know, we'll do what we got to do. You know, if we can bring our families with us, that would be the ideal situation. And that if we are going to play in the States, hopefully it's somewhere warm. And of course, Leaf Twitter just blew up saying, you know, what's the matter with Toronto? Right. Paid 11 it, million bones to play in Toronto. So suck it up, Buttercup. Well, it's going to be obviously misconstrued because people are like, oh, wait, he wants out of Toronto. He wants to play somewhere warm. It's like, no, we want an NHL season to start this year and we'll play wherever we have to play. That's safe. Yes. But it's going to get it's going to get blown up big time. I was actually reading this tweet from former NHL all-star John Scott. <laughs> uh, yeah, you boy. <laughs> He's been active on Twitter recently. He tweeted out, if Canadian teams have to play in the U.S., you absolutely have to mix up the divisions. Forget geography. Put the Oilers on the East Coast. McDavid with Crosby and Ovechkin. How about Toronto and California playing West Coast teams? I just don't understand no that. I, I don't understand that because if if the Canadian division gets nixed altogether, it's like, well, why just bother with new realignment? Why don't you just keep the regular divisions? Well, like, that's, that's just what, more of a headache. That's what would right? end up happening. And the, let me say as a Maple Leafs fan, I would love to see the Leafs in a division with those California teams. If you're paying, playing San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A. eight times, like that's got to be 18 wins for the Maple Leafs with the state of those franchises. Like They are absolutely dreadful right now. Right. They roll as, over the Ducks and the Kings and yeah, they're, the Sharks. They're a train wreck. There used to be a time when that California road trip would chew you up and spit you Sewer out. Sewer the Leafs. It was oh awful. My oh, my God. You'd be lucky if you got out of there with you know three points. Two, two of points. six points if they're lucky, but they yeah. would always just get, of course, like it's going to eat you up a Western road trip, like not as bad as like probably Vegas, but you know, like they're in warm weather. It's probably like February, March. So like back spring is backs. approaching in Toronto back to backs. It was like always you're playing the like, ducks one night and they are playing the Kings the next night. They both played a physical style of game. So they, they benefited from the geography and having another team right around the corner. It's the same way that Toronto would benefit if Ottawa or Montreal were playing in an elite level as well, because you're going to get the back-to-backs where they played the other team the night before, and you're going to get that team a little bit chewed up, beat up, and a little bit tired. I just don't see if, if a Canadian division doesn't materialize, then they're just going to resort back to the original alignment, like yeah, Atlantic, of course they Metro. Will. But that, that tweet, considering it's just, I know he's not an insider, but it just kind of got me thinking, you know, could the NHL be considering this? I don't think no, so. No, no chance. This is just a, a fan or I guess an analyst just throwing out an opinion to stir up, you know, some conversation. He got a lot of likes and a lot of commentary People on the tweets. And yeah, well, in, that, in theory, it's a nice idea, but even just the sheer schematics of it, like the extra travel and the costs. Do you think the Maple Leafs are going to want to foot the bill? No, let's not even say the Maple Leafs. Do you think that the Ottawa Senators 
are going to want to foot the bill to play in a division in California. You think Eugene Melnick's going to be excited that he's flying these guys across the country, you know, six times a year. Like that's so much extra money. It's just so unnecessary. I like four divisions, including the all Canadian top four in each division. Make it. You're laughing. All right. Former Maple Leaf Alex Steen retires from the NHL. Where are your memories of Alex Steen, BMAC? Because a lot of Maple Leafs have sour memories, not because of his contributions in Toronto, but, but the trade that sent him to St. Louis with a uh, host at TSN 1050, Carlo Koliakovo. Yes. And Alex Steen going to St. Louis for Lee Stempniak. And that guy just ended up turning into a complete suitcase for the I rest actually, of his career. I actually composed a tweet, a, a poll regarding that trade and who came back in return. And the options were Lee Stemniak, Michael Grabner, Mike Komisarek, and Jeff Finger. And I said, don't check Google. And it looks like, well, I don't know if people are checking Google or not, but no, everybody knows. All you got to look is 08 trade Lee Stepniak, but it's, it was Lee Stepniak. And I think everybody got it right. And that was, was, uh, it was like 100% accuracy on that poll, by the way. No other, everybody remembers the worst trades. That was a bad one. Like it wasn't as bad for me. The worst one that we've seen was Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rask. That's the worst one in my Leafs fanhood and my Leafs, like since I've been following the team as this sort of millennial generation for through like the nineties, early two thousands. But my goodness, that one didn't really work out well. And Steen ends up having a really nice career in St. Louis. Right. And a former and Stanley cup champion, a former draft choice from the Maple Leafs in 2002. And he was a pretty solid depth guy with the Leafs. He had his first, I remember his first career hat trick actually was against the Bruins in Jan- early January of 07 when the Leafs won like 10 2 at TD Garden. It was insane. They like put up a touchdown, field goal. Just one of, one of those games that will stick with you just because Steen, I think Steen and Stajan each had a hat trick. Like that's how crazy it was. And that was another time. Times were simpler than 13 then. years ago. <laughs> but I'm glad he was able to finish his career with a cup. Same with other. Same with another former Leaf in, in Tyler Bozak. They got to do it together. So those were two long-suffering Leafs that had long tenures with the club, and they were finally rewarded because I'm sure in the next few years, Bozak's going to retire as well. He's getting up there. All right, so last week we ranked the top forwards groups in the Canadian division. Um, now we're going to move on to the top defensive groups, albeit who knows if the Canadian division is going to be a thing, but we're just going to operate under the assumption that it is a thing (laughs) until we hear that it's not a thing. And if we have to go back and rank the top forward groups in the Toronto Maple Leafs, California, like West coast division, then we'll do it. We'll we'll do that. We'll do that. That's more (laughs) material for us before the season starts, but we're ready. As of right now, I'm going to operate under the assumption that the Canadian division is alive and well. So let's rank the defensive pairings. BMAC, let's go seven to one. Who do you have as the worst defensive group in the all Canadian division. Same as my forward group. I'm going to go with the Ottawa senators. Their only stud is Thomas Shabbat. They got him locked in stud for another six, seven years. Absolute stud. Clearly the anchor of that blue line. Yeah. Nice contract too. I think, um, I think 8 million bucks a year is for the next seven years. Like this is a smart play by Pierre Dorian to get this guy locked up long-term his price point was only going to get better. He's one of the best defensemen in Canada. Tremendous upside. I love watching this kid handle the puck. He's just got so many, such a bright future in front of him. I expect there might be some Norris trophies in his future, depending on the development of some other 
defenseman in the Canadian division who might have something to say about that, but just a phenomenal player. But like you, I have the Ottawa Senators at number seven, basically because it drops off after that. You know, they lose Borvietsky. He was a stud on the back end for them. He's obviously playing in Nashville now. You know, you got Nikita Zaitsev in there. What does he really bring? It's just a rebuilding team. And that doesn't mean they are, that some of their players are not going to be good, you know, two, three, four years from now. But at the moment, Shabbat's the only stud on that blue line. And I think that's uh, they're dead last for me. Number they seven. got a pretty decent piece out of Brandstrom. Again, I haven't seen much from Brandstrom, but maybe he can be a good contributor going forward on the back end. But he's like, supposed to be a top four guy, I think. Pretty, right. Pre- yeah, but solidified with, in there. With, with Shabbat, yet. with regards to Shabbat, I mean, similar to Morgan Riley, he's going to have to wait a couple more years to get a pretty stable uh, defense partner. Look how look how long Riley waited, and now he's finally getting a good piece in Brody. So, and when you look at, yeah, I feel like the right defensemen as well are the coveted the coveted pieces. That's the hardest one of the hardest pieces to fill in on your team. The right shot defensemen just aren't they don't grow on trees for lack of a better way to put it, and it's so difficult to find a guy unless you just draft him organically and he ends up working out because teams aren't willing to trade these players. I mean, look what the Edmonton Oilers had to give up years ago to get Adam Larson. They had to give up Taylor Hall. Look how that worked out for them. Speaking of which, they're at number six for me. Who do you got at number six? And now Adam Larson is, I believe, on the third pairing, just scratching to get some some minutes as a sixth defenseman. My number six, Kenny, is the Winnipeg Jets. Okay. They would have been up there, but of course, losing Truba last year. They got a pretty decent prospect from Finland out of that. Uh, Vito Hanola. I actually watched him a little bit in the World Juniors last year. Pretty, pretty sound defenseman has a lot of, uh, obviously a lot of development and work to do, but the only one that really stands out as a, as a key piece on the back end for the Winnipeg Jets is Josh Morrissey. Really and nice. Other player. than that, I think they have a lot of band-aid defensemen and that's why they're at number six for me. For me, uh, the Oilers are at number six, as I had just stated before. Um, I really like Darnell Nurse as a player. Outside of that, it gets a little suspect for me. Adam Larson, I think, like, what, where are you going to get out of him? Obviously, stay-at-home defenseman, not overly impressive. Um, they signed Tyson Berry in the offseason. I think that he'll have a bounce back year, moving back to Edmonton and have a good chance to put up some big points, quarterbacking that power play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Outside of that, I don't really see a lot of depth on the Oilers' back end. I think that they've that's a position that they would like to improve upon if they had the opportunity. So Oilers for me coming in at number six, who do you have at number five? Number five, I have the Calgary flames. One of their are probably one of the longest serving members in the NHL is Mark Giordano. He's been there forever. And I know they got Chris Tanev in the off season, four years, 18 mil, but they are uh, still doing some fine tuning on the back end. They got Noah Hannafin, who was a, a top draft pick. I believe the year Mitch Marner went, in the draft. Yeah, I think Hannafin went fifth, so right after Mitch. Other than that, Kenny, I mean, bottom pairing, not much not much there. I don't think they, they're really that stable. Fair. Like, for me, I think Calgary, well, we'll talk about the Flames. I have them a little bit up, up a little bit higher. Um, I had the Winnipeg Jets at number five for a lot of the same reasons that you outlined. Uh, Josh right. Morrissey, I like a lot as a player. Outside of that... Uh, the depth is a little bit questionable and I feel for the Winnipeg Jets because Kevin Shovel Dayoff was feeling pretty good just a couple of years ago with where his decor was at. And, you know, you see the departure of Tyler Myers. They let Jacob Truba go under the 
impression that Dustin Bufflin is coming back. And then he decides that he's packing them up and is not going to play anymore, at least not in Winnipeg. Who knows what he's going to do if, we're, if we'll ever see him lace him up again. It certainly seems like he's enjoying the simpler things in life in Winnipeg, just going fishing, enjoying his just enjoying his time and he's had a hell of a career he's a cup champion so if he wants to hang him up who's to tell him no outside of that uh, i don't really see too much i mean he got dylan Demello on a nice contract three million bucks for the next four years but after that it's uh pretty sparse so winnipeg jets at number five for me uh at number four i got your team the Leafs are dead in the middle for me when i look at what they have on the back end morgan riley i think is going to benefit from having TJ Brody on his wing. I like Jake Muzzin a lot. I like some of the other additions that they made as a group. Bogosian, I think, can contribute. We have to see with some of these prospects, you know, letting in if he's able to contribute when he comes over from playing in Europe. I just need to see it to believe it because this team traditionally as a defensive group has not been able to get the job done. And although I'm cautiously optimistic that the upgrades will pay dividends down the road, I think that I still need to see it to believe it. So the Maple Leafs are... Uh, Towing the line right in the middle for me. Yeah, number four. Number four. Interesting. I put them a little higher up. I I had the Montreal Canadiens at number four. I think ever since they struck gold with that Weber-Suban deal, Weber has really come in and just, you know, there's obviously every team will have a little levity at points in the season, but Weber just seems to be the ultimate Montreal captain. Doesn't take any crap, holds people accountable. He's been obviously quarterbacking their back end for, for years now. I really like Jeff Petrie in the playing round. He's really upped his game. Yeah, and he's of course they acquired they acquired Joel Edmondson too in the off season. Got a lot of uh, playoff experience. Got a cup with with uh, the St. Louis Blues. And last but not least, he hasn't played many games, but they got a nice young and up and coming stud in Alexander Romanov. He played for Team Russia last year in the World Juniors. I don't think he'll be playing this year, but he's a former uh, second round pick in 2018. He's really a, a big up and coming defenseman Kenny he's got size he's kind of throws his weight around but he can definitely um I, I feel definitely he could he could fill a top four spot on the Canadians down the road certainly for me uh number three is going to be the Vancouver Canucks I had them at three as well okay perfect so yeah there we go well, yeah well that's it should we, just, should we just move <laughs> on uh Quinn Hughes there's been a lot of buzz around this guy. He honestly might be the best defenseman in Canada. And that, like, I'm not even kidding. Like the way that this kid's trajectory is looking, he had an amazing campaign just a season ago. When you look at the rest of the back end for the Vancouver Canucks, I like Edler, you know, he's getting a little bit long in the tooth, but just one year left on his contract. So they'll be out of that 6 million. Maybe they can get a deal done for a little bit cheaper for him. They have Tyler Myers, big body, right-handed defenseman. You get Nate Schmidt out of Vegas. And I thought Steel. that this was one of the sneakiest moves of the whole off season. It didn't really get talked about enough. How For good third a, round pick. Unbelievable. That's just complete, like just pickpocketing by Jim Benning robbery. I, I, I couldn't believe that when I saw that, that a third round pick for a starting top four NHL defenseman, you never see it. So the Vancouver Canucks for me with, arguably the best defenseman in Canada and with that trajectory. And I expect him to take steps to continue to grow his game moving into this season. Solid number three pick for me. Yeah. Quinn Hughes is just so confident and poised with the puck and he's, he's still so young. He's going to be really the franchise piece. Well, he is the franchise piece 
I say with, with that franchise team. piece. And you know what? I remember covered. I remember covering his first game too, and he was held pointless. But you honestly could make a highlight pack just from his play. And I think he assisted on the game-winning goal in overtime. But generally, it was just you know his his movement, his skating. Vancouver has a lot to look forward to with this guy. I'm going to say number two and number two, I had the Oilers and the Leafs I had at number one. Now, if Oscar Clefbaum was healthy, he's going to not play this season because he's he's got a shoulder a shoulder injury. I would have had the Oilers at number one because I think... Really? I know we bashed Adam Larson, but considering what that initial trade was and where they thought Adam Larson was going to be, I think Larson's going to be much better in a minimal role if he plays as a fifth or sixth defenseman. I still have Oilers at number two. Would have been at number one with Clef Mom, but obviously I'm going to put the Leafs at number I find one. that very surprising that you would have the Oilers that high. And to, I think at full disclosure, I didn't realize that Clef Bomb wasn't playing this year. I might have ranked them even lower. If he's I not playing this year, which really out. stinks. Really yeah, stinks. That's, that's, gonna, that's a big blow for them. That's going to impede their it could be it could impede their chance of pushing to make an eight spot for for a playoff spot. But well, look at anyway. look at what happened to the Leafs without Muzzin. Like, and he plays a similar yes. role for them. Exactly. Edmonton, where he's expected to chew big minutes. He's one of their best two-way defensemen. He's expected to be pretty much him and it's him and nurse. And then the rest is by committee. So that's a huge loss for Edmonton. And I think the Leafs are are rightly so at number one on their defensive woes for the last couple of years. And I think finally, I mean, let's see it all work together on the ice. But I mean, the season hasn't started yet. We're talking about defense pairings on paper. And right now, I think the Leafs boast the best decor in the Canadian division. And they have the best depth as well. That's hectic to me that you have the Leafs that high. Like, I'm going to call you out on the bias right now because I don't think that they're particularly close to having the best decor. And they haven't demonstrated, if you want to say Bogosian and Brody have bumped them up that far, that far that, that's all right. But what have the, you seen out of this team, which is the majority of it's still the same, that would demonstrate that they should have the top decor in the Canadian division? Because I certainly haven't seen them play team defense or have them solidify the back end to make me believe that. Well, right now, on paper, it looks like they are the best. The, Who do you have at number one? My top two. So I had, I had the Flames at number two. Um, okay. I, I really like Mark Giordano still, 37 years old, but he just knows how to lead a team. And I think that's so important when you have a player of his caliber wearing the C on the back end. It's going to bring you some stability. You know what you get when Giordano's on the ice. I really like Noah Hannafin and expect him to continue to grow in his role in Calgary. Obviously, some departures. Uh, Travis Hamanick, not looking like he's going to be back with the Flames. Did he sign anywhere else, by the way? I just uh, I just know that he's not, or he wasn't signed yet in Calgary. I don't know. Travis Hamanick and Sammy Vatanen seem to always be lingering. It's like, are they even in the league right now? All, I don't know. Like, it just seems to be like they're always floating around. Yeah, I feel like uh, I think, I think Batman I like is still, still available. I feel like he's still floating around. I think there was rumors that the Canucks could actually be trying to sign Hamanek. But just to finish up my thoughts on Calgary, I like the addition of of uh, Chris Tanev. I think they have some young prospects on the back end who could be able to contribute for this decor. And I think just when you look at this group over the last three, four, five years, it's been one of the strengths of the Flames of the organization. They've had issues actually on the offensive side putting the puck in the net. So I expect that to continue for Calgary. For me at number one, it's the Montreal Canadiens. And similar wow. to, yeah, I think that they're the best decor 
and it's I don't think it's particularly close either. What we saw in the play-in round was excellent, excellent play by from this whole group. And Shea Weber wearing the C, I think that that's a big problem for a lot of forwards in the Canadian division because nobody wants to go around the net with that guy there. Jeff Petrie, I think, has taken the next step in his game to be a bona fide, you know, top two guy, top four guy. He's established himself there. Um, you had you had mentioned the addition of Joel Edmondson. I do expect Alexander Romanov as well to be competing for a position on this team. Victor Mete, good offensive upside, a young player. Sorry about him, yes. I really love the Canadiens' decor here. And Me too, gonna, man. I agree. I have them up there, but they're going to be a pain in the ass. And I think under Claude Julien's system, which favors a more defensive style of game rather than playing, you know, just the open open style. I think that this group has a really good chance to thrive and has substantially better. Like I would take the Canadiens decor over the Maple Leafs decor in a second. I think you're wrong, but I think the only <laughs> team we got we matched was the Canucks at number three. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. That means we both have different opinions. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I guess it's, I guess it, when you look at like the two decors comparatively, like I think the Maple Leafs have better prospects. Like I like Letton in a lot. I like Sandine a lot. It remains to be seen what Lilligren will do. This Romanov kid looks like the real deal. Imagine they still had Sergachev too. Sherratt. I said, imagine they still had Sergachev too. They they next oh, that be, Drew yeah, deal. Unreal. Then they'd be at number one for me. Yeah. All right. Should we head to the library bar? Let's do it, buddy. All right, you know what time it is, that time of the week where we choose somebody who's drinking at the bar. BMAC, I'll take I'll take the first stab at this. I'm going with Arsenal FC manager Mikel Arteta. Arteta? Yep. Is that is how you pronounce his name? I'm but, I'm butchering it already, but it sounded good. The Arsenal manager right now, or Arsenal's a group. What a train wreck of a season right now! They're fighting to avoid relegation in the British Premier League. I believe they're 16th in the table after a loss to Everton on Saturday afternoon. This has been a complete train wreck. Remember just not too long ago where Arsenal fans were clamoring for Wenger to get out of control of the team because they were underachieving. And now it's like they're in the bottom of the table. This team is expected to be a side that competes for the top four slots in the British Premier League division and expects to be playing in the Champions League European football. At least that's what their fan base expects year in and year out. Now here they are at the bottom of the table in a fight not to get relegated down to the second league in Europe, which or in Britain rather, which might be good for them because then they might actually be able to win a couple contests. But for me, it's Mikel Arteta who is going to be drinking at the bar, trying to figure out whether or not he's going to be able to keep his job because right now it certainly looks like he's going to be on the chopping block. I'm going to go with Josh Allen. And I was pumping in his tires a couple episodes ago saying he should be in the MVP race. And I'm going to ask you, Kenny, have you changed your mind? Because this guy is the real deal. I still think that Rodgers and Mahomes are playing at a level that's above anybody else in the league. And I think Allen, he's they arrived right now. Uh, Allen right now in the last two or three weeks has looked absolutely stunning. Unreal. He's slinging the rock around. He's playing confidently. And for Buffalo Bills fans, this is something that they haven't seen since Jim Kelly. 
They haven't well, had a hey, starting quarterback since Jim Kelly that's been able to do this. So it's congratulations it's, to them. I know there's a lot of Buffalo fans in our area in Ontario as them. They're the closest NFL team in proximity. But what Allen's been doing has been very impressive. Not ready to put him into the MVP conversation yet, but certainly it looks like the Buffalo Bills have a franchise quarterback, which is someone that they can build on for the next five to 10 years and be competitive through that stretch. They might be passing the baton or stealing the baton from the New England Patriots as the dominating force in the AFC East for the next foreseeable future. Okay, so do you remember two years ago, September 2018, when Vontae Davis just decided to retire because he refused to play under Josh <laughs> Allen? And I think Nathan Peterman well, was, just, was the backup. Like, it was just a complete... Nathan Peterman. It, it was a complete shit show. Nathan Peterman was an interception machine. You remember two they years put later, him in the game and he throw four, four or five picks? It was ridiculous. Two years and a couple months later, the Bills are 11-3. and three. They clinched the AFC East the first time since well win the AFC East for the first time since 1995 so I think all of Buffalo is going to be at some sort of library bar equivalent led by Josh Allen who is still in the MVP race and I could, could, <laughs> could potentially win you're, you're, you're lobbying hard I give a lot of credit to Sean McDermott for this absolutely because it, we talk about it so much and it's so important in team sports just the attitude coming from the top down and certain organizations just have a, a rotten environment. They have a rotten, the losers mentality. I don't want to pick on teams, you know, teams too much, but like, look at like the Maple Leafs and like the late 2000s, late 2000s, early 2010. It's like, they just didn't know how to win. And there's a difference between knowing how to win and knowing what the cost is and will be willing to do that. And having the leadership qualities in your room and having the leadership qualities from your head coach or from your manager or wherever it is. Arsenal is another team that hasn't had that for whatever reason. They've underachieved because of the culture there. Buffalo had a terrible culture, and McDermott has come in. He's flipped it on his head and said, you know what? Screw those guys in New England. We're going to be the best team in this division. We believe in Josh Allen. We believe in our drafting. We believe in what we're going to be able to do with this team, and he's flipped the script on it. And now, all of a sudden, this team is playing with confidence. They're playing with almost like a little bit of swagger on offense. And you can see the difference on the field. They have completely flipped the script and it's, a, it's been fun to watch just as a football fan. Admittedly, I'm a Pats fan, but I love watching Josh Allen play football. It's been incredible. Oh, absolutely. It's been remarkable to watch. And remember too, like the bills actually did go to the playoffs last year and, and were close. They, they lost by like three points to my Texans in the wild card round. But they definitely got something to prove this year. They're going to be exciting to watch in the playoffs, no doubt. Where are some other teams that just have like rotten organizations that the just Browns. they can't can't put it together? The well, Browns, you know, the, the, Browns, Browns. the Browns, the Browns for sure have like big issues. I feel like Jacksonville is another one. They had a good year a couple of years ago where Carolina they had the best too. defense in the league. The Probably say Carolina without Cam Newton. Well, Carolina, I feel like they were good for a couple of years though, and they've been sniffing around. They just haven't been able to take the next step. They just are ever stuck in mediocrity. Man, I watched one drive from Teddy Bridgewater yesterday, and like I just, I just turned off my TV. Like he just <laughs> one drive, like not even. A, I think like just a few plays, and I was yeah. like, oh my god, it's like three and out. It's just like automatic three and out. <laughs> yeah, no, they're for sure trying to figure it out, rebuild. I mean, you bring in Bridgewater for a short term, see if he can slide in as a replacement for Newton, but. I don't think anybody's expecting him to be the transcendental quarterback of the future. No. He, has looked, he has looked good at times, but 
the injury problems have plagued him in his career and he hasn't been able to find a home. He's looked good at times in Carolina, but, but certainly if they had the opportunity to upgrade the position, uh, they would go ahead and do that. You got any plans for the weekend, buddy, or where are you thinking for this Sunday afternoon? I'm going to go look at some nice Christmas lights. Oh yeah. Are you going to down to the distillery <laughs> or what? Uh, just in Newmarket, like there's that annual little Christmas display they do and you just kind of like drive around in your car and look at the lights and it's a fun time man have some have some bevies have some have some snacks have some hors d'oeuvres sounds good yeah i'm gonna try to uh probably sneak in a couple a little bit of christmas shopping i'm I'm more of a practical gift guy so actually i'm finito done wrapped are you well yeah you i'm i don't done wrapped under the tree i don't plan that far ahead so the fact that I actually have some things done already is impressive for me. I only have like a couple more things to get. As we said, like I, I sent my sister off actually, she's popped by my work this week. So I sent her off with a two, four of beer since I'm not going to be going home for the holidays. So she stopped by the brewery. I figured at least I can sponsor their bevies if I'm not going to be joining brother of the home. year. Yeah. So that was, that one's easy enough. And, and then um, outside of that, Got some nice things for Brie, actually. Uh, took you up on your advice on your product review a little while ago, and I got, uh, well, I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to say. I'm just going to say I got a similar product. Just whisper. Yeah, I can't. Oh. I, a similar product. I, I don't know who's uh, who's listening in the kitchen, so I don't want to get into too many too many details. But, uh, yeah, okay. we'll, do some, we'll do a little bit Something of Something similar to my product review. Yes. Do you remember what it was? <laughs> it was like two episodes ago. Would you suffer from short-term memory loss? Well, do our listeners remember? Maybe they're just tuning into this one. You never know. But it was Maybe. a coffee warmer. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's what we that's what we're doing here. Something very similar nice. to that. So, yeah, that'll be good. I'm honored. Do a little man. bit of wrap. Do a little bit of wrapping later this afternoon, and uh, hopefully we'll be good to go by uh by next week. Boom, boom. All right. Thanks for listening to. I forgot what episode we're on. <laughs> episode episode six, six, baby. Season two, the episode six. six of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Throw us a follow on Twitter at LeafsPod, at Ken Stapon, at BMCarthy95, at HockeyPodNet, and we'll catch you next time.